everybody. This is Nancy Miller from My Creative Life, and today I'm very excited to have Jeffrey and Ginger with me today. Uh, they are members of ASIFA, and uh, hi, how are you guys doing today? Great. How are you doing, Nancy? Yeah, awesome. Thanks for having us. Oh, no, thank you guys. Um, as you know, I've already interviewed uh, Cassandra. She's so sweet. Y'all are just so kind to even do this during your busy schedule. No, we, we like, we like uh, you know, talking about what we do. And we definitely like it, um, people to get more like information about where they can get resources and stuff for sure. Yeah. So could you tell us the audience a little bit more about yourselves? Mm, definitely. Do you want to start first? Or do you want me to start first? I think you can start. Okay, yeah. I'll start first. <laughs> yeah. So um, actually, Jeff and I are married. <laughs> so that's just so that the audience have a little bit of context of why we're doing this together while we're stuck home during the pandemic. Um, so my name is Ginger, and um, most people call me Marissa. Uh, it, uh, and is my legal name, but I prefer going by Ginger. And I am an animation producer, but I also am the executive director of ASIFA South, which is an international animation society, and uh, specifically the one headquartered in Atlanta, Georgia. And we kind of cover the South. So our mission is to kind of empower and educate uh, people who are interested, especially in animation, as well as try to build the industry up into a more sustainable uh, type of industry through, commu uh, through community building. And on my daytime job, I'm an animation producer. So I work with a lot of different um, companies to create animation, whether it's for like a uh, series or if it's for a, uh, you know, like motion graphics, anything like that. Anything that usually has to do with um, animation, that's 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 my daytime job. Um, I also work with uh, ACM SIGGRAPH, which is a special interest group in computer graphics. And yeah, I work as a um, uh, early career develop, uh, development chair. And we usually do a lot of portfolio reviews for students uh, year round as well too. So very, very interested in technology and very interested in career building for um, younger folks who are trying to step up into, especially the animation career. Wow. And hi everyone, my name is Jeffrey Yu. I am a uh, visual artist and now doing uh, VR content development. And so uh, I went to the Savannah College of Art and Design as well and had a double major in animation and sequential art. So uh, sequential art would be like comics and storyboarding and, and that. Um, and so after I gradu graduated from SCAD, I went into uh, like a lot of different uh, sort of uh, uh, industries. So I've worked at like motion capture uh, 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 animation for games at work. I did board gaming and marketing for uh, like Cool Mini or Not. Uh, uh, storyboarding for like the real-time animated safari, but then uh, along the way, I've also done uh, seven years of teaching at an art school in Johns Creek called the First Fine Art uh, and Design Academy. And then uh, I also work with Ginger at Asifa South as the current business director, which is which has been an awesome experience. Uh, and then now I'm doing a VR uh, ride entertainment work with uh, Pulseworks. Definitely, it's it's like uh, with with the Asifa aspect first. It's it's this like you know slow slow ensnaring of like hey come and help me with my work, and then suddenly <laughs> he's like oh by the way here's more work for you, and he's um, finishing up his degree in um, uh, masters of business and entrepreneurship it, as well. Mm -hmm. Wow, that's that is so cool! And you guys do just all that. My goodness, you guys must be so busy. <laughs> I think, you know, when some people say they struggle a lot with like creative uh, inspiration, ours is a little bit of the opposite where we struggle with trying to pare things down because I, I have ADHD. So I'm always like, that's sparkly. Oh, I want to do this. I want to do that. The inspiration is overflowing. But then you come back and you're like, wow, oh, that's a bit I? too much. <laughs> yeah. That's amazing. Wow. There's no end to what you guys have accomplished. I'm uh, fascinated by all, all that you've done with your animation backgrounds. So what inspired you both to pursue art careers? <laughs> well, I, for me, definitely comic books, 100%, because uh, originally I, I was, I'm from Thailand. So therefore, you know, we're surrounded by a lot of like Japanese manga influences, especially pirated comics, because it, it, it like the content can be good, the content can be bad, but it's just so much abundance of it. And it's also very relatable in a way where it's the content is not always for kids. So as you're growing up, you, you get to read about things where it's very inspiring. And, you know, like there's a lot of comic books where uh, as a person growing up, I'm more of an introvert uh, now blooming into more of an ambivert. It's, it's I call it a trained introvert. Um, but it, it, with, with the comic books, you know, they feel like you're inspired. Like there's always someone who's trying so hard. It's like, oh, my God, there's this uh, guy who wants to uh, a, a soccer comic. He, he wants to 
go into becoming a part of the soccer team, but he's so short. And then everybody kind of looks down on him, but then he starts to build that up and then like create unity. And I was like, I want to be like that. I feel like I can relate to that. And I felt like I wanted to create content that was a little bit more inspiring and things that influenced me as a child as well too. And then so I decided that animation was the route to go because I get really bored really quickly. So when I'm drawing a comic series, I'm like, okay, seven pages, I'm done. So when, when it came to animation, I felt like because there were so like a variety of things you can do in animation that I felt like I kind of slid through that uh, a little bit more easily. Yeah, I'm trying to figure out how early uh, my interest in just art and, and animation started because I remember, you know, growing up, I would draw like pirate ship and all that and everyone's like, oh, that looks great. And then, you know, that just kind of filled into it. And, and then once I hit high school, I had some friends who were in D&D. And so we, uh, they would draw these really neat looking characters. And I was like, oh, you know what? I should try that too. And, uh, I, and uh, you know, being from an Asian family, you know, back in high school, it was hard where they're like, you got to do math and science only. And I'm like, but I also like this one thing drawing. And they're like, no drawing. <laughs> so so, so I, I guess it was almost like that for Ben Fruit. And the more I, I, I drew for myself and, and, you know, shared it with friends and, you know, got encouragement. I was like, no, this might be something I want to do. And, and uh, you know, I was also really into anime and, you know, so much in common with Ginger, uh, you know, anime was one of the things that really kicked things off after, uh, you know, I, I got into the whole like Evangelion, uh, like sci-fi theme. And so you'll see later on in my works, you know, it's a lot about like sci-fi, mecha and stuff like that. Yeah, and even with the comic book aspect, I originally wanted to become a comic artist, and my family was like, "You're you're gonna die poor with you know, eat, eat, uh, not not in such a rough way, but it's like, uh, it, it, you're not gonna make a lot of money." But then when they saw stuff like Pokemon come out, they're like, "Maybe animation <laughs> can be an ideal." It's always about the proving that you know you can actually do something, and 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 they already know. The good thing though is, um, unlike Jeff, uh, my parents never wanted me to go into medicine because they know that that like it's too much liability and i'm a very forgetful person so that yeah maybe if she's an art she's not going to kill somebody so that's probably better <laughs> well i can relate to that because i got a lot of like art is a hobby uh, and then a lot of my family they're all engineers there's quite a few of them and i go like but i don't want to kill somebody because i built the bridge the wrong way because i'm not good at math and i go like structurally it probably wouldn't be sound so yeah um so much responsibility. yeah that is it's so true so, because I'm assuming that I haven't heard all of your story about like, but like, did you guys meet at SCAD? Did you, you know, and why, and if so, why did, what did you do at SCAD? <laughs> yeah, so, so we, we met at SCAD at the Mixed Martial Arts Club that Jeff was running, but, but um, coming from Thailand at that time, that was my first year, like uh, I had a boyfriend back then who was doing uh, long distance. So, and, and Jeff had a, had a girlfriend. So, you know, it's like off limits type of thing. So I'm like, okay, this is a nice friend guy. And I'm that type of person where it's like, oh, if somebody is, you know, take it, I was like, let's definitely not mess with them uh, at all. Kind of like super off limits also. But I always thought objectively, I was like, oh, what a cute looking guy, uh, objectively. Uh, but then like after like, like you know, many years, like uh, especially after we kind of graduated from SCAD before that, it's just, you know, you meet a lot of the people in the same circle where it's like, oh, artists talking about different things. And one of the things was that uh, I was, I'm very passionate about um, artist well-being. So I'm always talking about oh, what can we do better? You know, like the New York has to free, had the Freelance Union Act. I was like, what can we bring to Atlanta to talk about that as well too? And I was like, just on Facebook, say hey you know is that if anybody's interested we'd love to see if anybody's interested in the idea of how we can make things better and then jeff was like yeah i would be interested too kind of um yeah like we'd love to continue that conversation to see if we can do something to create more resources that's how she got me into a sifa <laughs> <laughs> yeah but before that also we have a, a common interest in um documentaries and food and food and food big time so like uh, i have facebook groups so i usually invite a lot of people in and it's like a bunch of people at like our portfolio review day when when i had a bunch of artists over it was like 30 artists packed in my very small room and then it basically like uh, we were just like sharing artwork sharing all these different things to kind of see what everybody was up to and then like jeff came came to that as well too yeah but then it was a development of you know uh talking about things like art and talking about like things like cute things but of course that was after i found out that he was um uh he was single that i was like i am you're coming with me boy <laughs> so 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 i i was so i was already planning to ask him out anyways uh but 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 um we decided to go watch a movie which his friend was going to come too but his friend i was like accidental accidental wingman 
and then he, he he got sick or something he's like oh i can't come and i was like yes uh, uh sorry friend uh and, and then but the day before jeff was asking me all about all these different things too so i was just like okay and then so 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 we decided that you know after talking for a while we we're like okay uh let's let's kind of like get to know each other and stuff like that and now he's just a part of all my life oh, that's so sweet how long would you mind me asking how long have the two of you been married for well, we got married back in December, but uh, we we've been together for almost three, three years three now. Three something yeah. years, yeah. It's like the especially uh, we were planning to have a you know wedding or anything, yeah. but uh, the pandemic happened, and we we're like, that's good, saves us money. Uh, <laughs> uh, very practical type of couple, yeah. But with with Jeff as well too, it's it's been this thing that we kind of discussed because people were like, oh, what's your proposal like? And we we're like, we didn't really do a proposal. We didn't you know, kind of like an agreement of like, yeah, I think this would be a good time because we've been living together also, like, I think for three years already. Gotcha. So you guys were all hats at this. You guys had it. You're like, oh, that's so sweet. You guys are very, you're a very cute couple. I think that's adorable how you guys met. <laughs> Can you tell us about, because uh, you're definitely entrepreneurs and art entrepreneurship, such a long word, um, really inspires me. And so how how and why did you guys decide to start your own animation studio? Mm. Did you want to start with your previous experience first? Uh, sure. Uh, so I mean, before even starting Slothy, I was you know bouncing around a lot of different um, just indie projects, uh, you know, for game design and so on. But the thing was just you know without the right management team, or sometimes people have different commitments, it, it always drops off. And so, you know, you might have one person who's like one foot in, maybe he wants to do photography, but you're trying to do a game design project, like that just doesn't work out. And then uh, for me at the time, I, you know, all the money that was coming into those companies or those, those groups was mainly me doing independent work. And, uh, you know, that isn't much to sustain, you know, having to pay other people for their work too. Um, and so those all fell flat. And, uh, I, and so I just created uh, Slothik more as um, initially as an independent sort of um, uh, freelance uh, company where uh, I'll, you know, do stuff after work. Um, but then uh, once I met Ginger, it kind of scaled up because we were able to bring more projects. And then through Asifa, we also met a lot of people who are also, you know, very like-minded, very uh, passionate about art too. And uh, Ginger and I were able to, um, you know, through incubators at Asifa South, also, you know, do a lot of training with them. And uh, we, we figured, you know, with, with Slothik, it would be also a good trial run to also help them, you know, get a foot in through the industry. Because I felt like at the time, you know, when I was getting into the industry, I had no one else help me in uh, 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 besides going to, you know, conventions until I finally found a company that, that, that put me in, uh, that gave me the opportunity to work there. So I was like, well, you know, if it's really that hard, uh, you know, I want to, you know, at least create a, um, some sort of way to like give back to the community in that sort of sense. So yeah, like Slothy eventually became almost like a stepping stone for a lot of artists. So. Yeah, and then like for me, um, originally from Thailand, before that I was actually in graphic design. So I've already started working with one of my best friends. Um, and you know, it depends on whether your best friend is usually uh, a committed and reliable person or not. Uh, and my best friend was. So that was lucky for us. We went to the same school, and the first time that we decided to work together was when we did. Uh, we we were in the same team, and we we're like, wow, this work actually the teamwork is there. Like we did feel like we were carrying anyone's weight. Every, like she and I were both um, doing the same amount of work. So I was like, this might be a really good partnership. And we could, we were able to take up more clients, um, especially in web design as well too, and started to get in clients from like Singapore and different places. But then um, one of my dream was definitely to, you know, do animation. So uh, I decided to come and continue my education at SCAD in animation as well too. So when I got to SCAD, uh, I, I, you know, it, it's the thing is like you have, you can have a graphic design background, but learning animation is almost like restarting it again, because there's a transitional phase where it's like, just because you're in one design group doesn't mean that it works. I see, I see Nancy kind of like nodding her head because you went to, you went to illustration, but you did take some animation class too, didn't you? Yeah, well, I took my first graduate animation class last quarter and boy, are y'all talented? I was like, they blow me away. I feel like I'm at um, like I'm at uh, Hogwarts and like I'm surrounded by all these magicians and I'm like a muggle. I'm like have no ability. I was like, this doesn't translate. This is so hard. The way that animation work, the way your just brain has to rethink things. Because I was in illustration and graphic design and teaching, and 
I was like, wow, in theory, <laughs> I thought I could, but yeah, I, I made a lot of mistakes. Definitely. So that was like when I got into animation, it was almost like relearning everything again, where I was like, well, but the portfolio and then I sent in from graphic design really doesn't match at all. Um, then when I started to so so I had a little bit of a business background um, working with my friend in Thailand. But when when I came over to the US, you know, like the whole the whole purpose is to study. So I, I, I studying was like my main thing. But I also did a lot of networking because I was like, this is the opportunity. I'm taking my master's, So I've already done my undergrad. And in your undergrad, you're still figuring out a lot of stuff. But master's is almost like a time where you get to redo over something. So for me, I was like, I'm going to use this opportunity to meet people, to network as much as I can, and, you know, get the cultural um, kind of uh, uh, influences as well, too. So from there on, uh, I started to kind of uh, work with a lot of different people from a lot of different fields, very curious, uh, always like doing like asking my friends about different things. And then I got an internship at Floyd County, uh, helping with their management production in their illustration department because uh, one of my friends was uh, a director there. But because I, I send in my work, you know, like I was like doing the archer stuff, they're like, do you want to take a test? I was like, sure, why not? You know, I, I definitely want the experience. Um, but then getting into like the business aspect of things, uh, once once I, I, I talked to Jeff about this as well, too, is, you know, like starting up a business, it, like there's a lot of trial and error. So the first time you do something, like when I worked with my friend, we had a lot of success, but we also had parts where we lost a lot of money because, you know, the clients don't pay or the contracts are, are bad or, or for various reasons. So it, it's it's a good thing that it's almost like uh working with jeff i was like what are the our strengths you know uh, in coming together and also like uh, we were i felt like we were both pretty responsible as well too so therefore we had things that we're like okay can you do this can you do that and putting them together to create the company but then it's also a lot of paperwork as well too where it's like okay you know like jeff has to follow all these different things and then for me the, my, my main thing is to kind of go in and uh, a little bit more of the management side, which I'm a little bit more comfortable with because I do a lot of not just group project, but I do a lot of projects where sometimes you can also outsource to people. And you kind of have to be aware of how that works because when you're scaling things up, it can definitely escalate. Uh, like, you know, you're working with one person is no problem. If you're working with like five to 10 people, then if there's a communication problem, that starts to kind of balloon up as well, too. Well, one of the challenges also is uh, making sure, you know, our vision for what this company is going to do, you know, aligns because for, for Ginger and me, you know, we, we do have overlaps, but then we also have very different skill sets. But at the same mm -hmm. time, you know, maybe she has something she wants to do, you know, for her, her, uh, her, maybe her personal mission or goal or something. And then for me, you know, for me, I was like, oh, I want to do design and so on for like previs or something. But Ginger also does animation. Maybe just what we can put together and, uh, and you know, make that work. But at the same time, you know, it, we also have interest in, you know, helping people in the community. So, you know, how do you get that to, to function? Definitely, yeah. because like when we're mm -hmm. talking about uh, just like Slotique itself, we're like, how do we build in the mission of, uh, like the training or like how do we make sure that it's more fair to artists that we kind of contract out or hire as well too and what our long-term goals are of like oh when we're going to hire people full-time what do we need what like all these different preparation steps towards that as well too yeah but in all like totality it's like it's really great because you know jeff has the uh real-time uh background with uh uh unreal engine that I don't so it's like always this thing where animation and games are overlapping especially in technology and I'm able to bounce ideas of him and say hey hun what do you think about this one or like uh, can you try this one out and like show us like how it's going to work in demo and stuff too oh wow that's fascinating and it's like it sounds like you guys work so well together and being a married couple I would find that really challenging because I my husband and I we just we do have very like I'm just more organized brain and so I take over a lot of things in our household but I just I couldn't imagine working with my spouse I would probably be like punch with the face I mean like you guys seem like you guys work very well together and communicate really well so that's that's awesome that you can do that yeah, I think that came from the aspect that you know before we became a couple that was what drew our interest together anyways when that like we were brainstorming and discussing ways to kind of you know like create projects or do things so i think that that's that's a, a pretty uh nice way because like you know in previous relationships i don't always work with my my spouse or like uh, well not my spouse she's my only spouse <laughs> I, I don't work with all like you know my uh, relationships and stuff as well too but i think with jeff one of the things that i felt was that he really brought to table um like i felt like i didn't have to do all the work or stuff like that i felt like we had a compatibility where our our lives and our fields were uh, adjacent and close enough that it, it was like a it, we were able to kind of synergize that 
Uh, I mean, yeah, in terms of business, sure. But uh, the other part is also just communication in general, because um, I mean, just by virtue of, you know, being with another human being, you're going to kind of come into conflict at some point, you know, maybe someone doesn't put away dishes or <laughs> do laundry or something, or, you know, maybe someone eats all the food like I oh. did by accident. Uh, so, so, you know, how do you resolve that? And that requires a lot of communication. Yeah. A hundred percent. Yeah, because I mean, how do you guys work it? Say if there, I know this wasn't a question originally, but what if there's a creative difference? Um, how do you guys figure that out on a project? If you one of you feel that the direction might need to be maybe different than what you originally had anticipated, you ever run into those well, kinds of things? Changes always happen, and yeah. you know, it's just whatever's best for you know, fi just finishing a project at least for yeah. me. Yeah. So I don't know if you have a professor, Matt Maloney, uh, as one of your professors as well at SCAT, uh, because you might be in the Savannah campus. Mm -hmm. But uh, one of the things that I learned during a group project is uh, I had, I, I, we were on a group project with four people and they were very close friends, like super close friends, um, best friends type of thing too, with really great adjacent, like skill sets are similar. And then like, uh, we all had different directions, like me and one other friend want to make the animation go to narrative direction. Another one was like, as long as it's, you know, like kid friendly, that's fine. Another one wanted to go absolutely abstract so so in that that was the first time we were like like there was a lot of conflict in terms of the direction that we had in that particular project and 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 you know uh uh when i we were talking to the professor we we're like hey you know like why like I, we want to do this why can't we do this and and uh like it was a tension where like at that point like one of my friends who was not used to conflict like they almost like kind of shut down a little bit but then um our professor mentioned that you know hey uh there's always a reason there's a squeaky wheel like you know the squeaky wheel sometimes is a warn as it's not it's like a warning but it calls your attention to something so just like just because you know you want something doesn't mean that it's uh the best for the project just because someone at once wants something else doesn't mean that you know it's wrong or it's right either so how do you come together to compromise to make sure it encompasses everybody's vision because uh when you're doing a group project sometimes you have to think about this in a way where you know it's your baby but it, it's it's not a baby that belongs to you you know it's maybe it's a baby you're going to give up to the world anyways and they're going to reinterpret it any direction so therefore it's it's really important to understand that you know well, there's going to be another project there's always going to be another project if you want a project to be 100 percent your vision then you know choose one and say this one's going to be 100 percent my vision but at the end of the day, too, when we're doing client work, it's really not really 100% any of our vision if we're just working towards a client goal anyways. Mm -hmm. So our goal is to make sure like which of our thoughts does the client align aligns more with the client anyways. So I mean, it requires a lot of trying to manage eagles, too, because as Ginger mentioned, you know, you have a lot of different people with different uh, vision of how things work. And, you know, if you're working with a client, ultimately it's up to them. Uh, so there's a saying that goes like, was it don't get married to your work? Uh, because sometimes you have to change a lot of things and in the end, you know, what you might originally want, it might not be the case. So there's, exactly. there's definitely a little bit of that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I was like, if it's a personal project, you know, that's something that you can always discuss. Like there's so many different ways you can go with a project a yeah. thing. And if there's something you really like, but your client don't just take that and do something else with it, you know, after exactly. that project, turn into, you know, some other property of yours. Yeah. Mm. That's cool. That's a great idea. The great suggestion. So what got you involved in it well i guess you guys kind of touched on that <laughs> the asifa was it basically um ginger joined first and then you pulled in jeffrey to yeah Go ahead. So it's like uh, uh, I actually inherited Asifa from um, some uh, from some of the people uh, who were uh, previous to this because Asifa actually has been in Atlanta for around 15 years already, and it was started by uh, Linda Siminski who was working at Cartoon Network, and then it was also like involved with uh, people who are working at Primal Screen Studio, uh, at, like a studio who does a lot of like second screen and animation experience as well as, well as live action too, uh, multimedia. Uh, but also the main thing is the original purpose of Zifa as I uh, as passed on to me by the people is you know to create a community where people can come together and talk about animation, even if it's more like adults and everything as well too. Uh, and I inherited from like a Fatima who's currently working at Story Nine right now, and uh, Alisa Lewis, uh, my uh, my animation life. So they, uh, Alisa was going to go do her own company already, like my animation life. So she wanted to dedicate her time to that, and Fatima was pregnant. So she needed to also take her time to uh, raise her kid. So therefore, for me, I felt like I participated uh, in some of the ASIFA events. And I was like, this, this is the only organization that is 
wholly dedicated to animation community building. And it would be such a shame for it to kind of disappear, especially since we're in this field and we know a lot of animators, but where is the you know community building in that aspect, especially for people who might not have gone to school and come from other uh, like fields or really wanna get involved, even at enthusiasts. So I inherited uh, that from uh, them in around, I think 2014. Uh, and then with my friend Justice Obaya, who is currently the uh, director of PR at uh, Atlanta Film Society, like both of us, we were like, okay, let's do this, because he's a very similar person to I am, very enthusiastic, and 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 we were like, you know, let's do this animation society things together. And then we started recruiting people through sweat, tear, and blood, and then like we used to, like like whatever small little amount of startup money we have to register it as a five hundred one c three, because that was always the first step of like you know becoming a nonprofit like uh dealing with taxes and we know we knew that like we wanted to for this to be an organization that was going towards like helping people and like the education of animation so therefore that was like, the first step and we started recruiting different people slowly it's it's a very slow burn learning experience of like working on on what works and what doesn't because even though like you know I've have experience working in like more the corporate side or commercial side, a nonprofit is a totally different ball game together because you have to know like where your funding is coming from, like how to like writing grants and also like the tax, how do you do the tax, what how which way can you actually get income or not? And also like the, the like volunteers, you know, uh, uh what what is what is legal, what is not. It's like everything I learned, I was just like, wow. It's, it's a business, but it's starting it all over again from same thing as, you know, going from graphic design to animation. So like even with Jeff too, like there was a lot of things that like we had to learn on the ropes and he had to go do his own research and then he had to go and find out all these information and read up about things and take courses and stuff as well too. Wow, you guys are so amazing. You're like the Swiss army knife of like, like business creatives and artists like you do it all like that is fascinating and that you're willing to constantly adapt i mean uh that's that's amazing that you guys can do that oh thank you yeah but i'm gonna say this though it's like we, even with the sifa we are so like fortunate because everybody has taken that even more seriously than their full-time job sometimes we keep telling everybody you know hey we're all volunteers you know you have your own life you got to do your stuff and yet we have people dedicating so many hours and i was like guys it's it's past your bedtime why are you still up doing things so we have like even like our uh, operations director uh, marshmallow alex is like she she is just like goes into like kind of very nitty-gritty of trying to like find out what's the best way to kind of operate in her team like cassandra who you've met like she really puts her time into like oh the programming team how to set up a structure and she has a very solid like business background as well too so in in the initial stage it's very hard because we one of the things what we tried to be is we a lot of us started from scad and we didn't want it to be a scad club mm -hmm. we wanted to make sure that you know azifa is actually outreaching to people who are not just in a certain group as well so in the initial couple of years we had to really go outside our realm of like just also traveling to like uh, festivals or locations that are further um, uh, working with groups like the women in film and television uh, georgia production partnership the georgia game development association finding class where we can outreach further to find different people who are interested in, in, in what we do or or joining in and then so we have different people uh, coming from not just schools but people who haven't graduated or from different fields like we have somebody who's a historian uh, who's helping us with our business uh, our, our marketing team right now and then we also have like people who have like very different various backgrounds also work at schools libraries and stuff like, like that as well as uh, and we're very happy that a lot of the people who are interested in animation are able to get along with the creative management side and start to get into the industry so I felt like in that point our mission is kind of a little bit more successful in, in, in that aspect. Oh, that's amazing and to watch something like that grow I think that must be a really great sense of accomplishment because like those kind of organizations and things like that I always um, there are is paperwork that's involved that's physically there but I've learned as whenever you work with people it's like the intangible of things that you can't touch and feel like the relationships that you build with other people. It's, it's fascinating how that can all come back and help people out and it's great. So my 100%. next, oh, sorry. My next question is how is the pandemic? Like, has that altered the way you guys do business? 
Um, in terms of uh, for myself first, before we go to Jeff, is that I usually work remotely anyways. Okay. Uh, I work from home a lot. So the the part of like uh, like communication online is very normal to me. However, when the pandemic started, it did take a mental toll. I felt like a lot less productive and I, I felt like I didn't really want to do a lot of things. And I feel like that comes into play with normal life because Jeff and I usually go out to restaurants, botanical garden and do all these things uh, a lot. And, and now it's just like we try to stay indoors uh, a, a lot more. And I get a lot more calls, like Zoom calls and everything too. So there was a little bit of a Zoom fatigue, which the good part is, you know, I no longer have to waste money to go out and, and meet people but on the other hand as well too it's so it's it's the amount of calls the amount of everything just increases as well too uh but in terms of like the business side i think you know like um we learn enough uh to communicate with people online but that interaction is always going to be a little bit different than seeing people in person because this is like oh you go first oh no you go first and then and then, and then you look at the zoom windows it's there's just something a little bit missing from that aspect for me um in terms of things have changed uh i mean i'm already used to you know just working uh, doing like you know work from home even after work so it hasn't really felt like it's changed much but uh the fact that you know not being able to see people in person i mean that that's definitely one thing that that i miss and then uh being able to go out you know with ginger to to you know like our old hangout places like the georgia aquarium or you know going out to eat watch a movie you know all that stuff uh it's, it's definitely one of those things that that ginger and i will talk about in periodic like oh i miss doing that i miss doing that um and then not only that but it's just going out to get groceries like I remember doing the early parts of pandemic, like we were like trying to wipe down everything, you know, trying to make sure that, you know, you're not touching elevator buttons and whatnot. And uh, it, it was a bit nerve wracking at first because, you know, you hear all these all these uh, stories overseas. And it, what was crazy was, um, you know, in the beginning, we had some friends who were overseas and we were trying to contact them uh, for one reason or another. And suddenly they just dropped off and we haven't heard from them for months at a time. And then we hear back six months later and they're like, oh, yeah, sorry, you know, we were like in quarantine the whole time. Um, and and so we're like, oh, that's, that, you know, that's why. Um, and then there's also uh, cases where, you know, at work, for example, um, during that time period, uh, I hear a lot of people saying, oh, it's not that bad. You know, uh, it's never going to happen. And then when and then I remember this, the, the exact day uh, this happened was uh, I, I actually was feeling sick in February. And uh, I, I was like, OK, well, you know, I want to take the day off, but um, uh, you know, I'm just gonna go in just in case. And I wore my mask in and everyone's like, oh, so, so, you know, you're wearing a mask now, you know, is it really that bad? That exact day, the president at the time, Donald Trump came on and said, I am declaring a national state of emergency. That was surreal because everyone's face suddenly just changed. And then everyone's like leaning over on their desk and stuff. And they're like, can you believe this and stuff? And we're like, well, we hear, heard about this two months ago. And Ginger and I have been preparing, you know, for, for this, you know, back as early mm -hmm. as like early February, February January, yeah. you know, buying water and stuff. Um, I mean, we had a bit day before, so we didn't run into the whole toilet paper, you know, shortage thing. But I mean, it was just crazy seeing just how all this stuff evolves. Um, but then we also saw other organizations, you know, um, other nonprofits and stuff where they also deal with, you know, film screenings and they're like, oh, you know, we're not going to close down. And then suddenly later on, it says, we're going to shut down. <laughs> um, and, and we were talking about doing things virtually, you know, on, on Eventive or something at that point. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, like yeah. when February came, that that was that was definitely surreal because uh, uh um you know I have friends in Thailand, I have friends in China, and they already talked about the whole thing. And I saw an article come out about how oh there's like a first few cases in the U.S. So I was already keeping my eye on that. And then you know Jeff and I being very prepared people, we were like okay we should definitely address this. And also I remember uh February we had one of our biggest mixer for a CIFA. It was like ninety people. And then, uh, but 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 um, March we like okay we're not going to do anything uh, in person anymore, and we don't know how long that's going to be, but potentially for the year, just because of looking at the way gauging how how everything is going. So uh, even uh, at that time, I was creating an uh, like a report, uh, like an industry report with the COVID situation, and then I sent that to uh, some of the studios, some of the people uh, as a resource as well too. And 
I definitely had some people who were like, oh, that's not, that's not, you know, it's not gonna, whatever. But for me, I was like saying that, yeah, you know, it might not be that bad, but we have to be prepared, uh, especially because you just can't say, you know, it's, it, it may or may not happen. But if you look at different places, like especially in China during that time already, it did affect a lot of things. So with Asifa uh, as a small organization, the good thing is we don't have a physical location. Mm -hmm. So everybody was already meeting online. But also we understand that in the art community, there's a lot of people who don't have insurance. So therefore, if you're going to put up something like an event and also you don't have, you know, hand sanitizers and stuff, mm -hmm. you better understand that it could be a contributing factor to people getting sick. So for us, we were like, like, we're definitely not going to be risking our community and stuff mm -hmm. because there is no urgency that we need to have that for as well. So we kind of pivoted, but also in February, like, you know, we had all our year round schedule planned out and I was like, man, we're on the ball. Like we were so planned and everything just like went to, <laughs> well, everything restarted all over again. Like March, you had to uh, change everything to the online stuff, um, work with our first online um, festival. So we had to pivot a lot of different things, especially also uh, uh, um, with the fact that, you know, we actually had a mixer space sponsor uh, for that year as well, too. And we're like, this is a beautiful space with the TV, with like free coffee, free everything. We are super excited to get started. And it was just, okay, everybody just stay home now. <laughs> oh, wow. Well, it sounds like you guys really, I think, made some very good choices for your community to to go ahead and you know go virtually and and uh yeah and it all makes perfect sense that's um the next thing i want to mention because you mentioned some of the things like you know the the change with the pandemic and in your your day-to-day -day routine um have you had to do anything different to kind of maintain a work-life balance because since you know everybody's kind of just stuck at home and you're working from home how do you guys work that out <laughs> um, in terms of work-life balance, I mean, we're always the, the, the I think the secret is just we're always working, but well, we do we do have to like you know put down like a hard stuff. It's like you gotta eat dinner now, or you know, okay, every weekend we have to take the car out or else the car will die. Um, if oh you don't yeah, drive it at all. Like car yeah, because like early in the pandemic, you know, we we didn't drive one of our cars for like uh, was it, like almost a month. And then we realized like the battery was out and, and we were like, okay, like you gotta do every week, you gotta at least take one of the cars out once or twice. Yeah, so that would be our grocery run or that would be, you know, our like restaurant or our takeout day or something. So, yeah, in terms of routine yeah. though, like the, the good thing is, like I said, I've always been working from home, but like mm -hmm. as Jeff said, we're always kind of uh, workaholic. Uh, like I'm a person who kind of likes, enjoy multitasking. So even though I'm working, I might be playing music or I might be watching Netflix on the other screen. And uh, we, we definitely have our lunch break where we, you know, we'll both stop and then we'll watch Netflix or something and eat something. The thing I'm not doing very well on is exercise. I have totally neglected exercise on a big scale just because it's, it's it just becomes so lazy because, you know, uh, it, it, it just feels like before sometimes we might go down to the gym, but then like uh, the gym, uh, they they kind of closed it for a while. Even though they've reopened it, it's it just doesn't feel like you want to risk it <laughs> as much. Uh, however, in terms of like other stuff as well too, is um, uh, when we, when we don't have a lot of work, uh, we try to go to bed early. I think that helps a lot. Is that like for me sometimes it's it's not unintentional in the beginning too. I'll just like work so hard and get so sleepy that I'll say I'm gonna take a nap at seven or eight, and then I just fall asleep, mm -hmm. and then I wake up at six a.m. and I was just like, oh no, but it feels a lot better because I was like, oh, and still nobody's up at this time anyways until maybe like nine or ten when people are, start contacting me. So I was like, that still is a really good like period of time. So then like if, if, if Jeff and I can drag each other off to bed first, that usually really helps a lot. Yeah, I, I do also remember like in the initial uh, months of the pandemic when I finally got the work at home order, uh, I remember it's, it's just like, oh, and instead of having to drive to work, I have all this time open. So, you know, you wake up early in the day and you're like, okay, well, I have this treadmill at home. So, I, you know, use that running. But then after like a couple of weeks of that, uh, now you're just like, oh, I'm getting used to this routine and stuff. I guess I'll just kind of, you know, just, get up a little i can get up a little bit later and you have to like fight to like get back into in, in into uh you know that sort of groove um i mean sometimes uh i remember ginger mentioning at one point that she was feeling unmotivated uh with with uh with uh, doing things because it's just like every day feels like another the same day uh so then she's like how how do you you know like offset that so uh, at least imposing you know at least some sort of boundary schedule it kind of 
get yeah. got us out of that. And then I think, like, for us, like, the grocery runs kind of help, too, Mm -hmm. even though it feels very different because we love grocery shopping. But now it's like, ah, grocery shopping, we got to just be a little bit more careful. And then, like, uh, when we bring stuff back, we just do a wipe down and just Mm -hmm. just to be safe. And then there's also now the fear where um, with all the recent uh, attacks against people who are like Asian, Asian American, I mean, that's more recent, but it's definitely started to to compound into, you know, some of our concerns with what's going on with the pandemic, too. Yeah, definitely for sure. Mm-hmm. So um, I only have two more questions left, and it's it's you've made all the animations that you want. Oh no, I'm sorry, I have three questions. Okay, if you could go back in time and tell your younger self some advice about being an artist or an animator, what would that be? Yeah, start. I know. Uh, yeah, I'll need time to think. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Well, I think like uh, if if I could go back and tell myself something, I I would definitely like uh, now that my older self is a little bit more cynical, and and I and even though a lot of people have told me this and I didn't believe them as much, I'm gonna say you know your client if if your client is giving you something and it's like nine p.m. or whatever don't do that overnight thing like just wake up early and finish the work because it it, chances are they're not gonna uh, reply reply or respond to you in the middle of the night anyways not as everything is as urgent as it seems sometimes like there are deadlines and i understand that deadlines need to be met but also they need to be reasonable deadlines because if somebody sets a deadline for you and you feel like you need to be pressured to match with that, a lot of times you're actually spending your own time and money to help them complete the project. While it's a lot of times if you are able to logic it with your customers and clients say, hey, this is not enough time, we need these buffer times, then you are actually able to protect yourself better. So, you know, it's almost the same vein as saying no, but this is the, the same vein of actually going back and looking at the projects that you're taking and understanding if those projects make sense or not, because opportunities come in many different forms. It doesn't mean that if you don't get this one opportunity forever, you're never going to get it again. It's like you have to build yourself to be ready for those opportunities. So if you try to take too many things at one time as well, too, it can also fail because you wouldn't do a good job. But also you're putting pressure on yourself in a way that in the future, you might feel like, man, if I had set myself up earlier to actually understand, you know, my limitations and what I can do, mm-hmm. possibly I would have become somebody who was a little bit uh, uh, more savvy uh, in, in, in understanding uh, the industry, like not being seen as a pushover, which I mean, you'll, a lot of people will probably grow into that as well, too. Uh, but th- yeah, that would be my advice for my younger self. And I, and of course, you know, these advice varies because uh, no, people's personalities are not the same. But if in my case, I would be like, you know, when your parents says you don't have to stay up all night just to finish a work that clients are not going to get to until maybe 11 or 12 a.m., uh, then they're probably right. Mm-hmm. That's a good point. Yeah, I, I do think the uh, parts where Ginger talked about, you know, pacing yourself, uh, making sure, you know, you're not burning out is very important. That, that's one thing uh, I, I wish I did more of, uh, you know, when I was even still in SCAD because, you know, I would work until like 8 a.m. in the morning and then sleep on like three chairs, you know, down at DMC, you know, just to turn the next project. Um, and I think part of it is just understanding that, you know, not like, how would I put this? It's like, you don't always have to be like the number one at everything, but you cannot lose that passion for learning new things because you're always going to encounter new situations and whatever. And I realized now coming out of SCAD that whatever I learned at the time might not always be, you know, the case later on down the road because something new will always pop along. And so, you know, maybe I was doing, you know, animation a certain way, but now there's a new way of doing it, you know, with all the real time stuff. Uh, maybe, you know, I started off just drawing traditionally, but then now there's like digital art and different ways of doing it, you know, matte painting, uh, all these different combinations of things to explore. And uh, I feel like for me, um, you know, that, that ability to like learn new things keeps the, the in, uh, just art fresh for me. Um, and, and being able to, you know, run off to all these different uh, and experience all these different things, you know, beyond just uh, the academic side, you know, like being able to go out and join organizations like ACIFA and meeting new people, uh, going to, um, you know, conventions like the Georgia Game Developers Association and stuff to, to talk with other people and see what's actually out there. It kind of gives you a bigger picture. So you're no longer kind of that uh, frog in a well sort of 
healing yeah. too. He got yeah. two jobs from going like uh, the, from the Georgia Game Developer Association. That's awesome. Yeah, I think like a lot of times um, people don't realize like I, what I loved about when I took the animation class, animation students are so friendly. I was like, they're instantly asking, oh, what's your Instagram? What's your LinkedIn? And they were just so <laughs> friendly and kind. And uh, like, I think they felt sorry for me, like give her a bone, like, you know, <laughs> I'd message them on Instagram. They'd be like, try this or try that. And at the end of the day, everybody is so busy. And the fact that they would do that while they're trying to grind out their own projects, I was so like thankful. Um, so yeah, there's definitely that um, kindness and just willingness to help others out in animation. I, I thought that was really sweet. Yeah, that's very interesting. You mentioned that because um, for SCAT, my roommate, one of my best friends was also an illustration major as well too. And um, Jeff was in sequential and animation hybrid. And I think one of the things that we talked about a lot is that, you know, like it would be great for people to be able to take some animation classes if you're in a field where a lot of the work you do might be solo work or an individual uh, stylized work, because um, you definitely get to learn uh, like a, a lot more of the communication pipeline that might not be as, uh, as accessible or open to you if you're working by yourself as well, too. And it also helps with understanding how uh, part of the like what your, your tasks in the pipeline help uh, affect someone else in the part of the pipeline as well too, like the speed and then like the, the the communication part because I know a lot of people who are in sequential or illustration interested in the animation um, major or like getting into the animation field and they're like oh how do I you know get more into the animation field I think the, the, the important part is if you're able to get the opportunity to work with other people then you start to learn more especially even in things like global game jam or you know um, um, uh, generate where you have 24 hours to work with a bunch of people uh, it, it definitely comes out to understanding that sometimes you might not have control over everything. Remember the thing that you brought up, but how do you make that work? Mm -hmm. Awesome. So, um, oh, so at the end of your life, you created all the animations and artwork that you wanted to make, and you could only leave behind three final truths. What would they be? Three final truths. Oh, <laughs> uh, wow. <laughs> it's, it's a big question. Is, is there any final truths? <laughs> <laughs> or are there any final truths? Yeah, I don't know. Because for me, it's like my truth is my truth. And someone else's truth is, I, I have always, I have this thing where I'm always like, you know, this, these work for me. It might not work for you. You need to find whatever it does. But uh, I don't know if this answers your question, but in, in you know, like uh, being an artist, I think the, the, the ability to express yourself is definitely like one of the big things. And coming from a country where like in Thailand, you know, there is that uh, there is you could be free as long as you're within this box or this realm of what you want to express. Mm -hmm. I feel that being here, uh, the ability to freely express yourself, not freedom of consequences, of course, but the ability to have the, having that ability of freedom expression really is an amazing thing. It's something that, you know, people might not realize uh, or take for granted how 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 like amazing that thing. So it's a big power. But also with that big power, sometimes, you know, it doesn't have to make sense. You can do art in any way. But the, again, there is also the, you know, art sometimes goes beyond you. It's it's not going to be just for yourself. Someone else might pick it up, get inspired by it, get influenced by it as well, too. Um, but in honestly, I feel like when you're going into the art field, we tend to pressure ourselves also to make com commercialized work. And we feel like, you know, we need to go a certain way. And of course, during portfolio reviews, I will tell people that, hey, if you want to get to this industry and this particular position, what is the best way for you to tailor your portfolio and stuff there? However, if you're going to like, don't lose the enjoyment of art, you know, it, it's like and doing art for yourself versus understanding that, sure, sometimes you got to do commercial work, but you still have that ability to not feel like you need to be judged by somebody for the personal artwork that you do. Um, I'm wondering if this uh, final truth is only for art itself or for just in general? Well, I guess I think a lot of times um, that's kind of what I've noticed, like we'll as artists, we just say, well, we're our, our art is our truth or, you know, but I mm -hmm. think um, we're we're informed by a lot of other experiences, life experiences, especially. Mm -hmm. So it's always interesting to hear like, you know, just people's perspectives on it. If, you know, if you've done everything you've wanted to do with your artistic career, you know, 
-hmm. what would you say about your life? I think at the end of it all, it's still, you know, like once I'm at the point where I don't know if I ever be done with art, but at the same time, it's also like at that point, you know, how would it affect or help with, you know, the community or people around me? Like has it left the place a little bit better uh, if I have ever passed through, you know? Um, like I myself also kind of realized that um, within art itself, not everyone can be an artist, but you know, like an artist can be from anywhere. Um, and it's kind of nice to be able to at least instill that passion, you know, like uh, Nancy, you know, you teach kids, right, um, in art and, and so on, uh, high school, and I also saw you in um, some pictures on your site where you, you know, work with younger kids. And for myself, I, I used to teach uh, kids, you know, K through 12, and I get to see um, some, some of the students, you know, grow up into, um, you know, middle school, high school, some even going to college. And knowing that um, perhaps, perhaps, you know, you just had a little uh, a chance to maybe, you know, give them that little spark uh, into, you know, like what they want to do later on. I think that's also very rewarding as well, too. Definitely. Mm -hmm. Awesome. And so where, since this is a podcast, and I'm sure everybody would love to check out uh, your work, um, and I'll put these links in the description box, but um, did you guys want to shout out and mention your places like website, social media? Definitely. Mm -hmm. um, so Asifa, we're actually revamping our website right now to be more user friendly, but it's uh, ASIFA-South. S-O-U-T-H.com. And we have a Facebook community community group. Uh, uh, it's called Asifa, uh, you know, Asifa community group. Mm -hmm. And we do a lot of uh, people sharing information, their work and stuff. And every second Tuesday of the week uh, of the month, we do an online panel where we feature like somebody from the industry professional or a studio spotlight that might not be in Atlanta, could be around the world. Last time we also had a studio in from the Philippines uh, called Rocket Ship as well too. Rocket Sheep. And then uh, every first first week of the, the month, we have a free live drawing class. It's online, a figure drawing class. Uh, we'll send that link to you as well, too, where uh, mm -hmm. our, our learning coordinator, uh, Professor Sandy Chamberlain, she teaches at KSU. Um, so everybody just comes on and, you know, kind of draw figure drawing because we feel mm -hmm. like that's an important part of improving your foundation is at, and also motivation uh and every uh second and uh, fourth wednesday we have our discord channel where people do sketch meet so we have a lot of people coming online sketching just chatting with each other to kind of network and uh, josephine our marketing coordinator she'll do some drawings and, and we have a lot of like really nice professional people who are uh very willing to help uh one of them is actually going to become one of our panelists uh, for our online panels um in the uh, further months as well and at the end of the month which we're going to be restarting um, around like a next month or so is going to be our online mixer because we have a lot of people coming into Atlanta who told us that oh yeah we came in during the pandemic and we never got to meet anybody mm -hmm. and we're just like oh man we're not going to have our our physical one until maybe next year when things get better depending on the situation so we're going to be restarting our online mixer to kind of uh do that mingling as well too mm -hmm. Fascinating. Oh, you guys are such an, an interesting couple. You guys have done so much with your careers and your involvement with the animation industry. I could talk to you guys even more, but I know you guys have actual probably work and things you guys have to do, but you are both a delight to um, talk with and, and thank you so much for your time. Yeah, thank you so much. Yeah, thanks, Nancy. I was like, anytime, you know, <laughs> it's like, if you want to learn more about us or like work with us and stuff, just let me know. <laughs> We're always like, come and help us. <laughs> awesome. Well, I'll definitely check out Asifa and, and look at how to join. So thank you so much. And uh, everybody, thank you for listening to My Creative Life.